not to sound like a communist. It's just something's going on. If I had some extra money laying around, I believed in what you were doing and I trusted you as a person and I thought what you were going to do was valuable to my community, I'd give you some money. But that's not what it is anymore. Investment is about get rich. They're literally in like one of those machines that blows cash around, you know, and they're just like, oh, get money, 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 get it, grab it, put it in your pocket, stuff it, stuff it. You know, like that's literally the world they live in. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Okay, we're live. We're live. We're doing it live. <laughs> but I've been seeing, this is interesting. So let's talk for, about the, something we have no idea about for a minute, the housing market, because we're both not real estate people. But, um, right. so, okay, scratch that. We're not going to say who it was because I'm going to talk shit. Um, so somebody, I know somebody that bought a house recently and I don't know if this is everywhere in the country or if it's just around here, but they build these neighborhoods. And so we, both of us were our main, like our, do you, I don't know if you remember the talent worth house. That's what I call it. The, I remember, do you remember that a little bit. So they were, yeah. I've been, I, and I went there cause I had that job for a while where I was locating, doing like utility locating. Oh, okay. And I've actually had some locates in that neighborhood at a house that I'd been to like multiple times, like a friend's house. Like, it was a, like I grew up like going over there all the time. It's, so oh, it was like wow. kind of just a blast from the past. I was like, this is wild. And I drove by our house where we grew up and they're small, like they're smaller than I remember, but I remember that house really well. Like I remember the blueprint or the footprint. Like I just, I, mm-hmm. it's all mm-hmm. very familiar. It had a little di- different vibe being there, but they were small houses, kind of similar in size, not quite style, but size of like the houses that I'm talking about that they're building everywhere. But these houses probably had, I don't know, I would say they had to have been at least a half acre, maybe a little less, maybe hmm. an acre, I don't know, but of property, of land. So like you could have your kids play in the front yard like you could play a game of tag in the front yard we would play hide and seek like there was enough room to like run around the backyard was fairly decent size and those are small houses and then my dad lived in this house right down the road from where i'm at recently which i discovered like only a couple years ago i'm like wait i know this road and so i drove in there and i was like oh this is i remember this it's just so weird to drive back past your old where you used to live and uh it was the same thing. Like the house was a little smaller than I remember. You know, when you're small, everything seems bigger, but it was still <laughs> nice house houses. Huge. But again, big, big yards. Like a, the driveway was like long enough to hurt yourself right, on a bike. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so was the house your parents live in. Right. And so is the house that your parents live, our parents live in now in, down, you know, where they live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, Place. it's like, that's a nice, I see that house even still looks really nice. It's a nice you know, house, yeah. I'm like, that's a nice house. It's got a big yard. Again, half acre, maybe a little more. They do not build houses like that anymore. Every single mm. neighborhood. Because the real estate market, I don't, I don't know technically, but I'm just based on what I see is like booming, or at least the building market is. So I know someone that bought one of these houses. And here's the style. All the houses look almost identical. Like literally... Right. There'll be like right. a style and then like the one next door will be 
exactly the same, different color, and the, they'll just flip it. Like the garage will be on the left instead of the right. Like it's yes. just, it's weird. It's totally a thing. No, they do that where they have like a set of plans. There'll be like five yeah. versions of the house and it's like a large building company. And they're like, we do this in all of our developments. We just shift them up, you know, like five plans and exactly. we build them. We crank them out real fast, you know. So they have these people bought a house tiny little yard like you could cut the front yard grass with scissors it's so, it's so small right yeah the no backyard yards. so tiny you, if you spit out your bathroom window you'd hit your neighbor's house and they bought it within the past couple years let's say recent enough that if they sold it they would have to pay a higher tax rate so what is that like a two-year window so it's been recently like there's some thing where if you sell oh it, because yes okay, it yeah, looks like an can't. investment or something right, right. so they mm -hmm. tax you differently so it's interesting they bought the house i'm i'm like almost positive for like somewhere in the twos 200 something thousand wow that's good great price it's yeah. out in the middle of nowhere dawsonville which is up and coming and has been forever which is crazy to me that the house now the sign has been updated on the front because it's still under construction they're still building houses in there the same exact they're not changing the houses they're the same houses mm. those houses now sell if they sold that house over four hundred thousand dollars yeah yeah this is what in i'm like, saying in oh, like two crazy. years that's happened so yeah. here's something interesting. Housing prices have gone way up. I don't know what the hell's going on. So our parents' house was somewhere in the $300,000 range when they bought it. They just looked it up. It's worth well over, apparently, a half a million dollars. It's like 670 680 somewhere in that ballpark. Wow. Which is a lot of money, but it's also really strange because if you look at, this is just how I'm thinking about it, that house that these people bought so mm -hmm. our parents house has like real hardwood floors real nice carpet cherry wood floors actually high yeah, super yes very high ceilings i mean just a nice house right it was designed by a builder and so everything's like very nice yeah the person built Those, it for themselves yeah back when you could do that yeah so side by side you look at this house for 400 and something thousand that is one story it looks nice because it's brand new but the mm -hmm. floors are plastic plastic floor mm. but not but it looks like it's like wood but it's plastic right you Faux. know the every and if you're like if you know you know you know and it's it's not an insult it's just the way they build now but everything's a little cheap the doors are all hollow you know the cabinets are lightweight weird wood the light yes. switches are a weird kind of fragile plastic the floors, the like I said, are, are plastic. Like quartz or whatever, it's a, some it's weird... A, yeah. yeah. It's a one-story house. You could take 50 footsteps and go into every room in the house. It's a nice layout, and I like it. It's not a bad... I'm just saying, side by side, how is that house over a half a million dollars almost? And then I'm looking at our parents' house, I'm like, so based on what that costs, your house should be... 10 million i don't know it's like four <laughs> times the size just the materials too are way nicer everything's nicer i just don't understand what's going on with the housing market because they're building them around here too and they all look the same it's a thousand houses yeah. on like four acres of land it's unbelievable how expensive this stuff is and you could never i just don't know what people i don't know what you're supposed like what i 
what do I now? Don't have any, I know. Like, I, just, I don't know what to say about it. I'm just like, so we think about moving and it's like, well, no, you can't how afford could shit, we move? okay? Literally, we, how could you move? Literally work in technology. Me and my partner both have technology jobs, you know, so we get paid well relative to the average American. Um, that doesn't mean we're like at the top of these technology companies or anything. But uh, even we think, wow, I don't know if we can afford, you know, a home. Like, I don't Especially know how to live near where you would live. <laughs> If you yeah. had a technology job, like, okay, if you want to move to California, you want to be near the city or you want to be here or there. Right. And I get that you could be like, well, you know, your living costs are more expensive and you can just trim those. And we probably could a little bit. But the other thing is like people don't realize is like my partner also has student debt, you know, that we've got to pay down, you know, to get his degree. That was mm. like the reason he could get the job in technology. So it's like, I don't know how you get out of this. And I keep thinking like, what about single people? Like, how are single people supposed to afford homes? You know, like, it's just not available for you, I think, if you are single. I just feel like there's no path to homeownership. No, it's and maybe, crazy. I don't know. Maybe that's normal. I don't know. I feel like surely people were able to afford homes back then. Like, what the single family wage, you know, like a man would have been able to buy a home. Like, Well, that's you know, what so. I want and have 12 children. So that's what I wonder is, like, what what is really going on? Because I, what I think it is, and I think, I mean, I don't know anything. But it, it seems to me that it, like people who should know, like finance people, uh, real estate people, whoever, anybody, right, should be looking at this and going, because people say, okay, so inflation. Well, inflation is normal. So when we say, in theory, in theory, you could have some level of inflation to where you could go, well, the price of bread, the price of bread used to be two dollars a loaf now it's four dollars a loaf these are just made up prices but that it was two dollars in the 20s but no it wasn't it's was like 10 cents but you know what i'm saying like <laughs> whatever and, sure but that but that money like equals the same you know like it it's still it like uh it makes sense everything oh, the is, purchasing power parity is the same despite the fact that that there you go. nominal price has increased yes right that could but be i don't th- but i don't think that's what's happening because no, people's purchasing power is going down. The house totally. used to cost, I was watching this documentary, and houses used to cost on average twice the annual average salary. Now they cost around six to eight times the average annual salary. That's so, like a bad yeah. investment. Like, I don't exactly. know what's, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that the money is, people are like, well, we might have really, you know, inflation might get out of control. And I'm sitting here going, I'm pretty sure inflation's out of control. Like, I'm, Whatever is oh, causing yeah. it, it, whatever the thing is with money right now, it's uh, it's a big deal. Like it's a, it's extreme because yeah. to look at a house like that, that house would have been a hundred and fifty thousand dollars back in the day. It's now a half, and we're talking back in the day of my lifetime, like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. it's. A half a million dollars. People that lived in a half a million dollar house back in the day lived in a. When I was in school, <laughs> yes, they lived the, in mansions. Yeah, the polo fields were like some of them were a half a million dollars, and those were the rich, rich kids. We're talking mm-hmm. like an eight hundred thousand dollar house in this area was like a a mini mansion. You know, we're talking like yeah. five, six thousand square foot houses with finished basements in an acre. 
Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. like St. Marlowe's down down the road, I'm trying to imagine what must one of those houses cost. But by the way, it's millions a, now. Yeah, when you pull in to our parents' neighborhood off of the normal way to come in, not the backside, and you take your first left, you know where the gay guys live that mm-hmm. always do like all the decorations in that cul-de-sac. So that's on one corner of the cul-de-sac across the street from them, on the other corner. The house doesn't look as nice. It's very normal looking house. That house sold for $1 million. Oh my Last God. time it sold. A million dollars in that it. neighborhood. I believe it. Things are crazy. Out of control. Yeah. And real estate agents are the worst. Like I was talking to a real estate agent not too long ago. We were trying to look at buying a place or whatever. And this real estate agent, they just are like, they have like this manic hope about the market. They're like, better buy now. Like things are always going to go up, always going to go up. You know, it's like, better get in right now. You know, real estate's always gone up. It's always going up, you know, and it's like, what? It's like, what? It's this weird energy. Except like, for that time when down? it didn't. <laughs> like, yeah, like, exactly. Except for in 2008 where that whole philosophy almost destroyed the entire country. Right, right. Yes, that. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I, I think don't know. I think it may, I think, here's, here's the conspiracy. Here's the conspiracy. I think... That it's worse, whatever the situation is, is worse in real estate than it is in most other. But it's also bad in, oh, in like cars. sectors like, or goods, yeah. Yeah, so like vehicles and housing. And I think what it is, is going to end up being a push away, either away from the financial structure that we have now with maybe the type of money that we have. Maybe we got to go to a crypto, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's going to be – so they claim that like 2008 was like a big fat accident, but I don't think it was. I think that the rich got really, really rich because Mm -hmm. the banking institutions get get all of that. You have to think – The investor class never gets hurt, yeah. For the consumer, debt is a liability. For the banks, it's an asset because – they're going to collect. Debt, debt is good for them. Like it doesn't, yeah, it's like, well, because everything's collateral, ultimately money is a concept and the things that you buy with it are a value. It used to be like if you owned a house, it made more sense than renting because so I used to rent for a thousand bucks a month and everyone was like, and it was a it's tiny a little money apartment. Drain. Yeah. And people were like, and it was, it was hard by myself. Yeah. And I tried, but I, I had issues getting into a house. I could never do it because of some reason. But basically, our parents in their apparently almost million-dollar house were paying less per month than I was. Oh, my God. You know, like they yeah. were paying a couple yeah. thousand bucks to live in a one-bedroom apartment with no door on the bedroom because it was so small. Right. But I was. And now I think that's flipped. And I think we're what I'm trying to say is because I don't understand, but I think it's it's that article that came out. You'll own nothing and be happy. So th- yeah. I think we're moving into a own where somebody, some group of people, are, is trying to get us to a own place where you own, yeah. where they own. So you yes. will own nothing. That's the key word. Is you and they'll collect rents so, from you in yes, perpetuity. Everything yes. is going to be a rent kind it's of. So vibe. fucked up. No, this is the. It all goes back. Well, it doesn't all go back, but. Mark Benioff. People praise this man. I think he's evil and he's Satan. Was he the Fed chairman? Who was that? No, he's that. Uh, 
That's another guy. I'm Ben. I'm thinking a similar Bernan- sounding. Yeah, Ben Bernanke. Yeah. Uh, Bernanke no, yeah. Mark Benioff was the CEO. Is still the CEO of Salesforce. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that Salesforce pioneered that is a little known fact is software as a service. As Dude, a service. By the way, that that. Him. Look, Fuck you, did you Mark know? Benioff. I so we, hate that. It's dumb. Been, it's bullshit. Did, I did could he just pay for the software. Is, that his, yes. is, that the th- is he the guy? That's what because Salesforce is known for. They invented the subscription model of software on the web. That guy. Because that is how... So I didn't know this until just recently. So w- I grew up and like the, we had a Sega Dreamcast. That was Sega. like our... That was, the, that was the nice... Like it was a disc... It was so. How did that work? Even back in the day, for all of them, the video game that you played was on the thing that you put in the video game system. Right. I did not realize until I just looked this up the other day. The discs. So every, we were we bought the PS whatever it's called, and then we get the games. And I'm looking at the games, just reading the back of it, and I'm like, it says I need 56 gigabytes of storage to play this game i'm like what's a why would i need that much storage to play a game like i don't something is confusing here and i started looking into it and i realized that the discs are not the game isn't on the disc Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that all that's on the disc is a license you're waking up it's just a license (laughs) it's just a license so it's a scam. It's, they don't even it's like, sell you the hard drive space. You have to pay all that money just for the license. And then you have to buy your own hard drive space. It's so wacky. It's wild. So everything is literally. They're is just like sucking that. more out of you. It's not. So this is the thing. Back to the inflation. It's a scam it's like, because because yeah. it was overnight. Because you used to be able to have. You right. could go to the store and buy a disc that was Microsoft Office. And as they would update it, you could get some download updates, but eventually you would need to get another disc a couple years later if you wanted years. to. If you wanted yeah, the new exactly. functionality, you get the new functionality. Yes, it would have to be better enough that it was worth you paying again for it. Like they had to come out on, with better yeah. features, like so good that you're like, I'm going to have to go buy that new Microsoft. And thing. here's another thing it would do. It forced the innovation to be good. You know, so like if Microsoft Office, a word processor, wanted me to give them money again for essentially the same software, they had to add some kind of capability. They had to really think about it, really develop it, really put in the time, money, effort to make something that made me go, you know what? I am going to get that next. Exactly. Exactly. They would. And now they don't have to do anything they no. say if you want to use this you pay us yeah. money every month or every year or however you want to buy it and it's going to get more expensive over time by the way our monthly right. rates are going to go up and up and up and you're just going to be so stuck annoying. with us yeah it's terrible it's literally because, terrible and i don't even know i guess they make more money but it's like there's software out there so like so I, like just i'm like i have a tractor if i had to pay every month i wouldn't get it because I'm like, you know what? It's, it's a lot, but I think I'll hold on to it. I'm not going to put it to use right away. So there's a software that we've looked at, like the Adobe Suite. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, should we get it? Should we not get it? And we don't get it because we're not sure if we're ready for it yet. So it's this weird thing where I'm not even sure if it works out better for them. It do, But it, and it, it does in the sense that there are oh, certain, mm-hmm. they have enough customers that 
are already currently using it that they could jack the prices up on right, them right. and yeah. they have to get so it's like well we don't care about you because yeah. you're not the you're not the customer we're looking for right but i would buy it if i knew that if i gave them 100 200 for a f- software and it, i could just keep i could just have it right and it i'll would be use nice. it whenever yes. i'm ready exactly. to use it i could start learning on it cuz dude adobe is like flying a 747 it's it's comp- it takes a minute to learn so if i get it now you know what i mean it just doesn't make sense like i have to spend right. money every month just to like suck at using your i mean yeah it's just a scam and i hate the it. thing i was gonna say is like back to the inflation you could say well things are getting better which is why they cost more so there's some it should cost more of your purchasing power because what you're or, buying is actually yeah. worth more but it's not it's just not more of okay? our maybe the things are worse Mostly. Maybe we feel more poor because they're extracting money from us and at every turn now. So we're just actually never accumulating any money because everything is no, this kind exactly. of... exactly. Yes. This is what I think is going on. So at some basic level, you're like looking at this inflation. It's not just nominal inflation. It's like real inflation. Like people's money, borderline much money they have, yeah, doesn't go as far. Like they can literally afford less stuff. Um Rent, Two bags you know, of groceries goods. is almost over $100. Exactly. It's and out so of control. How do you explain that? And I think the opposite side of that coin is wealth inequality. It's just extraction by the top. So as the top gets richer and richer and the gulf between the bottom and the top grows, the bottom or the average person can afford less and less because we're not getting that much more productive as a society. Like we're not making more stuff, better stuff. I mean, we've probably marginally gotten more productive. But not to the extent um, that inflation has ramped up. So, but but all of that excess productivity and the gains from it, mm-hmm. again, they're going up instead of exactly, out, yeah. which exactly. would be, and that's not even and or we're, evenly we're seeing it right. Yeah, and, and we're seeing it right now that that maybe that Reagan was right on some level at one point in time. This trickle down economics it does mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's not. It's not that it works. It's just. It's an observable phenomenon. That does happen mm-hmm, to some extent, mm-hmm. but that happening at the level that it's happening, as we're discovering, is actually not even good for the economy. It's not good for the country. It's not good for the economy. I think actually more people would get richer if that money, if the product the product of people's labor was actually enjoyed by them. You know, like mm-hmm. if it mattered that me and Kim can have middle class jobs and be responsible, make a six-figure combined salary, that would have been great. Like once upon, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it would have been mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing ads on TV back in the day that if you drove, they used to always advertise for this. Come learn to be a CDL truck driver and make thirty to $50,000 a year. They were advertising good money. the salary, you know, as the like the thing that like, can you imagine making this kind of money? Now those people make like six figures. They're making what doctors used to make, right? Driving right. Pick, driving trucks. Yeah, no, and it's I, crazy. And, and they're like, and we have to. And what is the solution? We need to have driverless trucks. It's too expensive. It's like, what do you mean it's too expensive? The money's not even worth. It's not hardly even worth it. You can't even get truck drivers, and you're offering them ninety thousand dollars a year starting out. So. The problem is something else. It's not that stuff is too expensive. It's that the money isn't worth anything. 
And whoever's saying that it's too expensive has some ulterior motive to just make more money and give you less. Not to sound like a communist. It's just something's well, going on. Well, back to like the not owning anything and you'll be happy. I think this is the exact problem. So I think trickle down does work in some sense. Like you can't have too high taxes. And so you need to, you know, try not to stifle economic activity. And if you the economy is more productive, everyone will be better off. That's just general principle. But the problem is that you also, when dealing with open economy, have to worry about uh, you know, consolidation and greed. And so that works if you have good social relationships between the people who own the companies and the people who work for the companies, which works if you have a free market and lots of small businesses. But it doesn't work when you have large corporations and CEOs yeah. making 10,000 times what the average company Did, employee yes. makes. Did so, we talk about yeah. mom's situation, what her company's doing? Because it's a big company. And basically, she's retiring because they're going to have – they're like buying people out basically. Like, if you quit, we'll give you extra – blah, 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 whatever. It's a, so something's coming down the pike. Mm. And I started – Asking you leave, like, well, we'll give what, you a package, sort of thing. Yeah. So it was like, what's going on? Well, this is what was. This is what's going on. It's a company that has, sells a product, and the way that these companies work, and I think they're a publicly traded company, which makes it even worse. So they have the COVID thing happens, and they get the sales. I mean, just through the roof because they sell the things. Mm-hmm, right, they happen right. to be in the business of selling. They some of their products, a lot of their products were really great for that. They sell lots of masks. Like they sell yeah. PPE stuff. They yes. sell business, business to business stuff that keeps other businesses running. And so what happened is they're making all this profit, and the way that bean counters think about this stuff is that it doesn't matter apparently what the situation is that led to that growth. It can never go down. Exactly. Yeah. It can never go down. So even though a crisis <sighs> was what caused the the boom, and the crisis is now gone, that's a you see it. It's bad. It's they. It's a bad. Like if they could find a way to actually have a stake in causing another crisis, why wouldn't they? It's great for business. And so now they're firing thousands of people, hundreds of people, trying to get them out because they got to figure out how to make sure that the beans. Look, it looks like we're getting more and more money or more and more beans yes. or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, but that's not, it's not a reality. It's not possible. No. Yeah. This is a, a really pernicious psychology, I feel like, that's gripped our culture. And instead of like- The infinite growth model, is yes, that what they call it? Yeah. Instead of making hay when the sun shines, so to speak, like you have a good year, your harvest was better than expected. Instead of reserving some and keeping some off to the side, you know, for when times are bad- you spend it all and you're like, things will never get worse. Things are only ever getting better. And it's like the kind of delusional hope that doesn't prepare you for the storm or the drought. Do they have or, to pay yeah. it out? Like what's going on? Do they have to pay it out to shareholders so that the shareholders invest yet even more because it was so great for them? And we promised that you, we did this this time and we'll do it again, even though there's absolutely no way in hell that no, we really I could mean, do it again. I think at a basic level, it's just you can't see the stock price go down. And so the company always has to be trading at higher and higher future valuations, which is what the stock price is. So it's a, you know estimation of the future valuation of the company. And that has to always go up. And why does it have to always go up? Because the CEO and all the executives, their compensation is mostly stock. And so if the stock price doesn't go up, their compensation goes down. So the stock model. price always has to go up. Yeah. It seems like a really dumb model. Like I just, I've never seen 
even when people like privately held companies get bought out by public companies, you know, like yeah. when Campbell's buys the salsa manufacturer <laughs> and then changes fresh. it, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, exactly. So they change, they change everything. And then, Make and that's worse. not even, yeah. that's not even like a stock market problem. That's just like a big corporation. It's like a, a motive yeah. problem. There's some, just the motive is so ridiculous. And yeah. I think I, what I wonder is as the correction does come, like, will people become more fiscally conservative? I mean, you do see a lot of people like moving into like wanting oh, yeah. to be homesteaders or, you know, I was thinking about like people buy uh, all this like wheat, you know, just as an example, mm -hmm. I was making, we were making pasta the other day, and we, you know, and I'm trying to grow some like little fancy patches of wheat, really, really small, just for fun, just to see what happens. And uh, mm. I was thinking like, what, you know, if you were a firm or a company that like everyone because you you think like how did everybody I'm I'm sure every wheat farmer grows the same wheat whatever the best freaking wheat you can grow is the most right. productive or the few the couple most... ones yeah and so everyone's growing this stuff and it's no good I mean it's fine you know but it's and it's productive but and it maybe left some people in the dust but what if there were and I'm sure there were if you were and smart at the time you said I'm gonna hold on and not do that mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep mm -hmm. growing uh popping sorghum wheat and then what do you have to do is convince people that actually everything is going to be going to become the same thing and i'm going to have this and it's going to be more expensive because i'm like one of the only people out here producing it it does not produce the same way i can't genetically modify it to produce ridiculous quantities i'm not going to make it roundup ready to where you can spray <laughs> by the way that's what they do do you know that roundup ready crops are genetically modified so that you can spray glyphosate chemicals which are which are definitively <laughs> absolutely horrible for you cause cancer they monsanto right aren't they banned lost, in europe or whatever nobody uses that shit and everybody here does but they just lost a lawsuit too like a billions and billions of dollar lawsuit because of the cancer causing effects oh that it had on God, the people that course. were working with it Fuck monsanto so, Mark Benioff, and, we're just, just a hate podcast. <laughs> well, and there's there's video out there. You can find videos of this Monsanto, and I have relative, I have a relative that works for them. But you can find these videos of this guy out there who's like, it's so safe you can drink a glass of it. That's he said that, which is bullshit. That's My like God, saying no, these people cigarettes are, are so safe you could smoke twelve packs a day and nothing will happen to you. It's just on its face a fucking lie. Yeah, but there's like that movie about that. There's like a movie where some lawyer he's like his whole life he's like defending this company and then he has yes. a mental break like at the end and he's like, "Is my whole life just defending this chemical that kills people?" Yes, you know, it and is. it's like. Literally, it's so wrong and companies just pay. And, and then, too, you see the struggle between, like, people who want to get rich off of it. And so there's, like, the new rich lady lawyer and she's like, I feel like it's wrong, but I really want to make money and I really want to please the boss and I really want to move up in the career, you know. And so she struggles with it. And, yeah, it's a whole thing. Well, anyway. so here's the other thing about Roundup. Not only do they spray it, they genetically modify the, the crops so that they can take the most potent weed killer on the face of the planet, spray it on the crop, and then it doesn't kill the crop that's concerning but then what they do and they're not spraying a little bit they're spraying a lot and then once the weed is harvested they spray it before it's harvested because it helps in the desiccation process which means the drying out of the wheat because it's good mm -hmm. for business to it so it has this 
property that causes it to dry out. So they're literally using, they're spraying so much of this. Anyways, my point is, yeah, I think that there may be a move, at least there is for me and people that I know that are going, yeah. I'll spend the extra dot, but the, okay, let me finish the thought before I start another one. I'll spend the extra dollars for the better stuff right? because I care. And now if the market was operating properly, there would be a call and answer here, Choice. a response, more people would come into that market, the price would come down, and we could start having a better life. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think mm. that because what happens instead is now Dave's bread or even the refrigerated Ezekiel bread that you can find, that mm -hmm. shit is like $7 a loaf for yeah. bread, yeah. which is insanity. Or... Is that the proper price? I don't know. It is, but because everything's fucked up. Because everything is so expensive. Yeah, well, it's hard to tell, too, on that level, because I do wonder about that. Like, I had this experience yesterday where I bought um, breakfast. Yeah, so I bought breakfast at, like, a meat butcher or whatever. It's like a restaurant, but it's also a butchery. Um, and so we bought breakfast, and I thought it was kind of expensive. And then I was, like, looking at the bill... And, you know, they had added on a 15% service fee because they were like, we are paying our workers health care and Wait, what is 401k. That? What's, a, what's a service fee? It was just 15% extra. They were like, we do this to pay for the workers' health care. So how does that work, though? I feel like that's just called the price. Right. I don't, Yeah. Essentially, so like hey, the price is this, and yes. then we also charge you more. It's like, no, well, I, that's just the price. Like, exactly. I do wonder about this kind of stuff. I'm like, you're kind of like hiding the price. Like, you could just make the prices of all the things on the menu more expensive, but then you're like, no, we have to tack on the 15% at the end, so you didn't know. <laughs> you know it's a little that's bit a little weird. Like that. But anyway, I, you know, so it was kind of expensive. And then I tipped the person, and I was like, you know, like, is this too much? Because it was a lot, kind of just for breakfast. I think we ended up spending like $70 with tip and everything. And I was like, it's just two people. Um, but oh God. Yeah, it was fresh meat, you know, so it was a butcher shop. The eggs were really healthy. They had really orange yolks, you know, so I was like, this stuff is like good quality. And then I was kind of like, well, maybe this is like just the price. You know, like maybe partly the problem is like we have such overly consumptive lives. Like we have more stuff than we've ever had before. And... If we just had less stuff and had nicer stuff, though, I think people's quality of life would improve, like that sort of thing. Like, have you ever seen those pictures? There's like pictures online. If you haven't seen this, you should go look this up because it's really startling. But there's like this picture series where they photographed people, like families, and all their stuff in different areas of the world. And it is unbelievable oh, this. to I've see this. the people in America, like compare, like literally some people in like other countries have nothing. It's like just a few things. They could hold all of their stuff. And then you look at the people from America, and it's like a middle-aged or a middle-class white family, and it's just like a whole yard of things behind them. And so you just think like, I think we could have nicer stuff if we just had less stuff. So it's hard to say what exactly the problem is. Um, but, but there's yeah. something psychological going on because, like you said – like the there, infinite there, growth. Yeah. There is something weird because the fact that you can afford a $70 breakfast, that is wealth, but it's mm -hmm. also, a, but it also is a strain. It's and at the same time, you know, like 
certain people are never going to have that. So what do they get to eat? I don't know, some other shit that's not as good. Right. It doesn't mean that everybody needs luxury, but honestly, the fact that that's a luxury so much so that it's a $70 breakfast Right. Well, it is, is a little topsy-turvy. You do wonder, like I do question the economics of it because you think like the stuff that we were eating was all local, like that butchery was like local. So all of the meat is grown there, like somewhere close by to the city and farms and stuff. And so just the transportation cost you would think is less and like the cost of running the company because just a small business is less. But somehow it's way more economical to get meat from somewhere far and away and have it shipped to you. And yeah. it's a the little real strange. market, the real market, not like when people say the market is coming for a correction, they're just talking about stock prices and shit. But right. the actual market, right, it needs to have a serious correction. Right. Whether that means that whatever they're doing, this making it cost $70 per breakfast for two people. Well, more people need to enter that market because there's clearly, you can't tell me they're not, pro- I mean, come on. Like, you can't tell me they're not, they're ma- they're they're making an They're making and, money, it's, yeah. They're making money, yeah. yeah. They're making an arm and a leg, that's not how you say that. But it's costing an arm and a leg, there's profit there. You can't, right. you're, there's no fucking way to charge $70 for breakfast and not and not have a profit. Unless right. you and don't partly, know how to source your ingredients. You're like, I want this business to survive. You know, I want the local stuff. So it's like, uh, you know, whatever. I'll pay the $70. I mean, I think about, so here's here's an interesting thought. And I'm not 100% there yet on this. But so I'm doing this mushroom growing thing and it's going well. I'm not selling any, but I'm experimenting heavily. And here's how you grow mushrooms. No matter what kind of mushroom it is, I'm growing four or five different varieties. And they're all saprophytic, meaning they all... Everything I'm growing currently will grow on basically wood. That's the mm. natural thing that they grow on. I'm growing a type of two types of oyster mushrooms and uh, a mushroom known as lion's mane that almost everybody in the world is familiar with at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the difference is? No. Nothing. Nothing. There's no difference. It's the same. The process I've done for all of that is exactly the same. I will admit that oyster mushrooms are mm. great growers. It's kind of like growing. It's like a pine tree Weeds. versus an oak <laughs> tree, maybe. You know, like a pine tree will grow, or at least around here, like you could grow a pine tree, boom, like that. But ultimately, the difference that I've so far that I've observed is very minor. And but if you go look at the price of lion's mane or lion's mane supplements. It basically costs the same as cocaine. Like it's so expensive. <laughs> so I'm thinking yeah. to me, I look at that and go, well, what if I just charged the same price or very mm, s- close yeah. to the same price? Because not because it's like, I don't even feel like highly moralized more. Like I'm not, I don't feel like I'm moralizing about it that much. I, to me, I'm thinking, Look, I don't have any customers. I'd like customers. What if I say, hey, you know, all you folks out there buying lion's mane, it's costing you quadruple what it's costing you to buy oyster mushrooms. Why? Well, there's differentiation. Sure, there's well-known health benefits to lion's mane. It's a little little trickier to grow, but not too much. Not really. It grows right, a right. little slower, but really not that much. Uh, it's hard to find wild, but really not that hard. It's not that different. So I'm thinking as a potential business owner or someone who wants to break into that market, I go, what's my way in? I'm a small producer. I can't market to big companies or this, that, or the other. 
would I like to charge $40 for a mushroom block or what one mushroom block will produce? Yes. Now, how do I increase my sales or even start to sell things? The way I'm thinking about it is what do people really want? Good product, cheap price. That's what they want. Right. So why not just charge the same price that makes sense? Because that's the kind of market correction that I think is necessary. Yeah. Well, that I think I don't know how we've gotten away from that. I, I don't know what it is. Everything yeah. to me seems like everything that matters now is just technology. That's all that matters. It's chat GPT. It's the next social media yeah. platform. It's this kind of software. It's just, so I, cause I listened to that podcast you showed me and I'm like, all in uh, the all in guys. And I'm like, there's something inspirational about it. Like I said previously, but at the same time, I'm like, it's hard to think about it and be inspired when you realize that they talk about nothing and all the rich folks that they're in, that's in their orbit. It's all technology. That's all that matters is what's the next investment I can make. Because you're like, oh, I could invest in this or do something that could be invested in. Well, yeah, if you're coding some kind of fucking software or something. But yeah. where is the rest of the economy? Yeah. It doesn't all have to be tech. Exactly. No, I will say, I think on the software side, things will get better. Like, I think the advancements in technology will make it easier to build more software. So hopefully, like the kind of Mark Benioff models where it's like software as a service that's ridiculously expensive that always gets more expensive, I think will go away as it becomes easier to create software. So that's one positive thing. However, to the point about everything being software, yeah, there's something weird going on with investor culture where investment used to be like, if I had some extra money laying around, I believed in what you were doing and I trusted you as a person and I thought what you were going to do was valuable to my community, I'd give you some money. But that's not what it is anymore. Investment is about get rich. Fast. It's not about believing in you know whatever they're doing or being good for the community. It's about how am I going to make a billion dollars and how after I make that billion dollars, how I'm going to make $10 billion and how I'm going to make a trillion dollars. Well, and it's funny too that they, they know that 90% of the stuff is garbage, but they know, they also know that one of them might be a golden goose. Right, exactly. And yeah. that's, and those golden goose operations, they float the rest of your investments. Yeah, it goes fail. crazy. Exactly. It's wild. Yeah. Speaking of the real estate thing, I met, this is an interesting thing. So I had dinner with some people that you know, Chris. And oh, okay. The lady, I for some reason I I think I remember her name, but I don't want to say it so I don't mess it up. But um, she was asking me somehow the podcast came up. Maybe mom or somebody brought it up, and so she said, "Is one of these conversations?" She goes, "So what if somebody got you like a meeting with somebody?" And I was like, "What well, meeting with who? Like, what do you mean? Like a meeting? I said like <laughs> this to is like rich somebody? people shit. What if I got you I, a meeting with?" Literally, I was CEO. like, well, it, that's kind of what it was. He's like, well, he, he, like someone that I was like to interview for the podcast. And she's like, well, no, somebody that like maybe owns a platform or something. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like I might hear them out. I don't, well, there's nothing there. They, can for, they help uh, you know, me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so she was like, I don't know. I was just telling you. And she said the guy's name and I can't remember it, but he was part of the tea party originally or something, but he did, he broke off and he does his own thing now. I don't know if that's going to go anywhere, but I just thought I'd run that by you just so you know, somebody oh. had run that by well, me. Well, if we can get a meeting, sure. I'm open to talking to people, but I always think about that stuff like, 
I'd do it it's just for the learning like, experience. Yeah, it's kind of pipe just dreams, Just to hear though. what people say. Yeah, like, because I used to think, like, oh, you're going to meet with a CEO, like, and I don't know what I thought. I just had, like, fanciful expectations. This is, like, me as a college student. I had fanciful expectations of, like, oh, I'm going to meet the CEO, and then they're going to give me an opportunity. No, they're fucking not going to give you anything, okay? You're going to meet the CEO. They're going to be like, I got to go in two minutes, okay? It's nice to see you. Great. Is what there are a million dollars on? Okay. on the p- yeah. table here? Yeah, and then no, they go okay, to a meeting and they're like, how can we cut people's pay? Okay? Yes, it literally. That's how it goes. It's No, it's not like people are just ready to give you an opportunity. you got to make your own opportunities. And that's one thing people don't realize, I think. It's like I've seen these posts on LinkedIn because all these tech workers are getting laid off. Oh, my God. It is redonkulous. If you don't follow the tech community, which you shouldn't because it's ridiculous and it'll make you want to kill yourself – um, there's some interesting stuff going on where so there's all these UX research people getting laid off all over the place but a lot from Facebook because a lot of people have been laid off from Facebook like thousands of people probably 30,000 people now or something crazy so these people are getting laid off and they are Twitter these, did that too yes everybody off lots of, of companies yeah. he claims he's going to be hiring them back again but good luck you if you fire me and then hire me back and are like you want to work for me i might fire you at a you know beck's call but i'll hire you right back and those all in people were talking about that like that's a good thing and i was like no you that's like dehumanizing people yeah that's that's the kind of annoying bullshit that you hear from those billionaire people who are like yeah sometimes you cut too deep in a company you can just hire the people back that you misfired and it's like no you that's people's livelihood okay you just ruined those. Those people went without health insurance, went without pay. They had to find another job. And now you're like, oh, but you can come back. We're, we have a good relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. We, anyway. we, we really want to pay you. But more than that, we want, we want to pay other people that actually aren't doing the work. We want to right. pay shareholders or we want to pay ourselves yeah. or the rich people. And there is, but, and like we've talked about though, a lot of those companies don't even make money. So how, what what else would you ever expect from them? Of course they have to right, fire people. Right, They're right. not making any money. They're exactly. literally being funded by capital. So it's yes. like you're, whatever you're doing isn't real. Right. But um, back to the UX people. So just to finish my point. So these UX oh. people are having these retreats in like Tahiti and Hawaii and whatever like talk about privilege these ux people are literally like we've all been laid off let's just go to hawaii for a retreat and they're like we're all gonna go and we're gonna live together and we're gonna eat together we're gonna have these research sessions and we're gonna do all this stuff and it's gonna be amazing and we've just really been the downtrodden and treating bad and we're just really gonna get connect together build our community and you know these are the jobless ux people yes and okay. they can afford this because they've been making so much money hand over fist right. from these tech companies. They can afford to go to retreats on Tahiti and Hawaii when they're unemployed. So amazing! it's just like, oh, my God, these people make me sick. And then so there's that going on. But then there's also this stuff that, where people get laid off. And this is sad. But the other thing you have to realize. So these people will post and they'll be like, I need a job. And it's like, I understand that you need a job. But it's not someone else's responsibility to give you a job. You know, like maybe you need to make a job like maybe you need to hustle. Maybe you need to make a living like everybody's got it hard. OK, like nobody is entitled to a job here. Everybody has worked for their job. Everybody is trying to make it. everybody's trying to do something, you know, so no one's and out here giving you anything. Have to be, and everything doesn't have to be immediate gratification. You don't have to because all the, that's what the tech people do. I feel like it's like mm. I have an idea. Let me go talk to all the rich people to give me all the money up front. It's like exactly. no, work hard and make the thing. What exactly. thing are you like? That's what everyone else has to do. 
Right, right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, not so in you were that saying, industry. Right. All technology, all investment is like technology. And all these people can talk about like the investors is technology. And it's so true. I literally thought that the other day because, you know, this investment thing is like great. And these all in people we're talking about, they're like, oh, America has the best investment ecosystem ever. Like we help fund all these businesses and it's so easy to start a business in America. And I'm like, yes, but the qualifier on that is if it's a tech business. I was like, but we don't fund anything real. Like if you want to start a coffee shop or a restaurant, Good luck trying to find investment because that's not going to make an investor a billion dollars. And so they're not going to fund you. And I'm like, so actually our investment in this country is really broken because we don't fund anything real. We only fund like these technology things. And that's the kind of bubble that these technology people are in. It's like all they can think about is technology. And those every new thing is another technology yeah. product. Yeah. They're literally in like one of those machines that blows cash around. You know, oh, my God. Like, yes. oh, get money, money, money. Get it. Grab it. Put it in your pocket. Stuff it. Stuff it. You know, Mr. Like, that's Krabs. literally the world they live in. Money, money, money. But uh, I have yeah. this. Uh, I feel like this is long, but let's listen to it because I remember I heard Kim playing it. And I was like, send me that. I want to talk shit about it. Good. And I don't remember what it says. We're just I don't even remember shit the, on this podcast. I don't even remember the topic. So I'm going to play it and we're both going to be surprised. And I think we'll talk about it. But if not, we'll just cut it right out. It doesn't matter. Perfect. But here it is. Hopefully you can hear this. There's three initiatives that are put down through the World Economic Forum. One is called CEI, one is called ESG, one is called DEI. These initiatives are put down as social initiatives from the World Economic Forum, the most powerful people on the planet, through the banks to the big corporations. These corporations, unlike my business, actually depend on that financing 100%. So So we're talking about social credit type stuff, DEI, inclusion, you know, that like green, like I think all that. Environmental social governance, yeah. Okay. Well, if they don't do the things that these three initiatives, the CEI, the ESG, and the DEI say, they actually lose their funding. So they can't operate their business. So you say, well, aren't these... Are you following so far? I was trying to see what CEI is. Center for Equity and Inclusion. Oh, so it's just more diversity, equity, inclusion nonsense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. So they going. say, so these companies lose their funding if they don't in, engage Yes, this is exactly what happens because big companies like BlackRock and whatnot, investment companies, have said, we're not giving you any money if you don't have DE&I stuff. And then they even get specific. They're like, if you don't have you know, 30 or 40 or 50 percent women on your board or 30 percent minorities on your board or in your C-suite, you know, we're pulling funding from you. You're not getting any investment from us. So now it this literally is, is, ex- is like yes. that. It's exactly why like companies like Gillette will make advertisements, even though their number one customer is men who shave their like steel like facial hair that they're like going to make an advert they make an advertisement that totally bashes men or like makeup companies instead of selling makeup to the people who buy it which we call women uh all of the advertisements like if you go to target for like three or four or five years now it's like majority like men on the advertising (laughs) posters wearing makeup which does not know i'm just saying it doesn't entice men to buy makeup and right. wear it's it. It's just virtue like signaling. Yeah. It's totally, it's not, yeah. it, but the point is, it's not even good for act, what, business if your business is selling makeup. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. there's something, so people are like, there's something else going on. So let's see what this guy says because I don't remember. <laughs> These people smart enough to understand why their business, they're destroying their business. They can't not do it. Because if they don't do it, they won't get their funding. So they can't operate. So they have no choice but to do it. And then they drive their business into the dirt. And here's why that's happening. 
because the people who run these companies, the officers of the companies, are not the founders of the companies. These are people that are many generations removed and many degrees of caring about the actual brand removed. All right. So these sorry about the music. College graduates who think they know a whole bunch of stuff because they have an advanced degree and they are making decisions that are you know basically about the money and thinking that eventually people will adopt this and it will stop. But it's not going to stop and it's not supposed to stop. This is what people are failing to do. What's happening is we are dealing with a communist insurgency that is undermining the values and the identity of the American public. What they are doing is they are intentionally creating a scenario where the American people rejecting this initiative is actually hurting iconic American brands that remove much of the American identity. So when you name these companies off, all of these companies represent America when you think of them traditionally. So now they're removing part of the identity, which is... We're talking like Bud Light, Target, Coca-Cola. Part of the communist yeah. process called demoralization. If there's less identity in America, there's less to fight for, which makes it easier to conquer, right? Then on top of it, one of the goals of communism is to create two classes of people, very poor and very rich. And so what they're doing here is they are getting the American public to cancel their own companies that actually hurts their own neighbors who are good, hardworking American people. Because the people at Bud Light at the top are not the ones feeling the pain here. It's the delivery drivers. It's the, the hardworking red, white, and blue Americans that believe the same motherfucking shit that you all believe who are getting fired or laid off or losing because of this. So they have run an operation to push this initiative down through the companies intentionally where the companies cannot resist it because they're required to do so for their funding knowing that the american people are going to reject it and destroy these companies creating the lower class system that they're trying to create in the first place okay mm. let me pee okay we're gonna take a pee break i won't be able to right think back. about it yeah i'll think All right. clearly if i can go to the bathroom <laughs> okay so I did not expect that to be as irrelevant as it was to what we were just you were just talking about, like firings of like all these, and I because I think some of these companies like Facebook and Twitter yeah, and stuff like yeah. they also fall into that category. I don't know if he's talking about no, that specifically, I was but totally thinking I was like, that's the story of Mailchimp, you know? That's, and I'm not going to bleep that out because I don't work there anymore. So, so Mailchimp too. Yeah. Shout out Mailchimp. Not yeah, really, but because. He said, you know, well, a lot of these companies aren't being run by founders. They're being run by what we might call as like professional CEOs, you know, right. like veterans who go from company to company and raise the stock price and make investors rich. And so investors and people on the board have incentives to put these people on the CEO or in the CEO position. But it's not always so, you know, cut and dry as like as easy and manipulative as you might think, um, because like MailChimp, you know, had reached a point in its growth where... The CEO, who was the founder, was running the company. And, you know, it was sort of just – we sort of hit our our max. You know, we'd grown as, as large as we could doing the thing that we were doing. You know, in order to grow the company more, we had to start doing new With things. With at, at that velocity. So, like, right, if your exactly. product is good and you invent it and nobody has it yet, you go, I have this product. See how cool it is. All the people get to see it for the first time. They go, ooh, everybody goes and gets one. And now you all have it. Right, exactly. And maybe and now, a couple other people right. get it every year or whatever, but it's not. Yeah, like, a couple, not as much. Yeah, Not exactly. the same velocity. So it was a good business. You know, it was making a lot of money, um, but it just wasn't growing as much. 
And so he was kind of feeling bad. And, you know, people were kind of there were a lot of, you know, liberal, ideological, woke type people, like not a lot, but enough that were loud that were, you know, yelling about like, oh, why don't we do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And and I think he just kind of got fed up and tired of it. And he was just like, I'm not going to deal with this. I built this company and I don't want to be yelled at by the employees who work in the company that I built for, you know, them to have jobs in. And, uh, you know, so he just sold the company to a larger company and then immediately was replaced by, um, you know, a, essentially an executive for another company. Um, and Very similar uh, type of person to like a career politician. Yeah, exactly. Like this you know, is the like, kind of person that worked yeah. at McKinsey, like a consulting company. Yeah, um, I became the, uh, you know, one uh, got on the city council because... Um, not because I wanted to help, but because one day I want to be governor, because one day I want to be a senator, because one day I want to be yes. the president or whatever. You know, exactly. it's like it's not for any. It's because this is a this is a whatever you want to climb to the like top system. for me. Yes. Yeah, it's very House of Cards. You know, this is all about becoming the president. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, yeah, that. Uh, and then the the last thing what happened was uh, you know, he wanted to stop some of the kind of like gender nonsense that was going on where people were you know, talking about pronouns all the time in the workplace. And he just said, like, hey, we shouldn't be talking about this. And and they literally outed him, you know. So it's like that's how it can happen. You know, these, like, people at the top, these, like, you know, corporate, you know, career-type CEOs, they can't take the risk of taking a stand against something like that because all the people who are going to help them get higher up in this system, they all want that. You have to be on board. You have to do what we say in order to keep going up in your career, and you can't take a stand. And so he, as the founder, the person who built the company, you actually have the leverage to take a stand and say, no, I'm not doing it. This is my company. I built that company. But when you're a professional CEO, you can't. But he didn't do it. That's but he the, had already that's... sold out. He did stand up. So he had already sold the company at, at that point, which is why. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So if he had said that while he was still the CEO, which is actually what had happened. So it got kind of tricky there because he said it while he was still the CEO before the company was sold. And then once the company was sold, that information got leaked and then he got removed. So so some politicking going yeah, on exactly. there of some kind. Yeah. But yeah, so that's interesting. Anyway. So I feel like there's a couple things that like that I want to know at least before I felt feel like I could really have a super educated cuz we all hear about this all the time now. DEI, CEI, ESG, whatever, whatever, all these things are. These hyper-liberal policy things. So my question is, okay, so he's he's giving an idea of where it's coming from. Like, okay, well, he's calling it like a communist plot, World Economic Forum. But here's my question. There seem to be some corporations that it's – just kind of obvious that they're just doing that. I would say these are just my observations. CVS, you know, they won't even they don't sell cigarettes anymore. Every everything's about get your your uh trans vaccine or whatever, you know, like everything's just like that kind of level stuff. Well, um I get text messages from them. I don't even know how and it's like great time to get your STD vaccines and I'm like what are you talking about? I you don't even know me. Yeah. Can I just make this point about CVS? Though? Yeah. Like, interestingly, and I don't want to, like, speculate They're a BlackRock corporation, I think. But, but, yeah, go on. The CEO of CVS is literally, literally a white woman named Karen. Okay. Well, we figured that one out. So. Um, that's why <laughs> that happened. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, by the way, I have an observation. Yeah. This is a side note on Karen's. Here's an observation about Karen. Culturally, what was Karen? I swear at one point, Karen, like the kind of neutral meme about it was the short hair, middle-aged, middle-weight wanting to ask for the manager, you know, and they would have like those yes. memes, like the Karen starter In the pack department the, store. Yeah, I need to speak to a manager starter pack. And it, that kind of like seemed like it maybe became the Karen. And then Karen was, it, it flipped between the two sides. But like a Karen, if it if the same transition had happened like today, let's say, the Karen would have been started as, you need to get your vaccine because you're killing grandma and it stops the spread and we could defeat it if it weren't for you and you people need to be locked up if you're not getting the vaccine for the fake virus. That's the Karen. That's Then Karen became yeah. literally the opposite. Now Karen is the one who's like... Ban the bucks. <laughs> yeah, my, my kids aren't going to be... Yeah, literally. Like, my kids aren't going to be vaccinated. I don't believe science. I believe in spirits and crystals. Like, it, the <laughs> meme... F- flipped the the nature of it flipped the reality of it yeah. flipped and it became bu- polarized dichotomized and weaponized yeah and it's just this bizarre you so when you see things like that in the culture i think it's just such clear evidence for like a a literal culture it's a it's an actual war it's a tug of war even over ideas or even over like the stereotyping of yeah. who is that it's like it's now it's like represents whitey you know like the yeah. white woman this white idiot liberal and it's it vestiges of it exists on each side because i still considered the blue hair lesbian trying to stab me with a vaccine as a karen <laughs> in my mind and oh my they think of the lady who's like get back you don't know me like that you know get back don't you know i'm not doing that whatever blah blah whatever it's my body is a temple (laughs) yes so that's a karen so you know what i mean it's just there's a tug of of war over these ideas yeah did you i want to get back to what that guy said but yeah go okay yeah just briefly that the ceo or not the ceo sorry the chief diversity equity and inclusion officer at uber was put on permanent leave for uh having a don't call me karen session so it's interesting because even Karen, like kind of you're talking about the polarization, like even that basically minority people, non-white people were like, oh, my God, you're complaining about what it's like to have problems as a white person, like white people saying, don't call me Karen. Like, oh, my God, get this out of here. And they literally fired the chief diversity officer. So it's funny because the because yeah. the meme never gets to never comes back to a pinnacle. You know, it gets psyoped immediately. Because what the Karen should be a representation of, if you just keep iterating it, so you let this war rage on, what would be the the ultimate synthesis? It's like things go too far without ever going far enough. Mm. And so it's like there needs to be this like additional understanding that I think we never get to. Mm, like an integrated, yeah. Like what are all the considerations and all the angles? What's the commonality? Right. What unifies all of this? How do we if understand Karen, it? If there's Karens on the right and there's Karens on the left and their battle is causing us turmoil, now step back once, one final time. And mm-hmm. what is the Karen? The, you're all Karens. You're both Karen. You're, you're all annoying. annoying. <laughs> you're all annoying Bla- literally the words words like blathering dithering ridiculous hysterical yeah 
waging war on a battlefront that's insignificant because the final mm, step yeah. back is what what should ultimately be taken away from the thing that we were originally emerged who was it it was the i need to speak to your manager starter pack which was a self-righteous no meaning in their life greater yeah. greater than thou moral high ground because of random morals that i espouse privileged neutral yeah. you know it's basically that's not fully neutral because there's a power hierarchy maybe you could analyze sure, something but it wasn't there, politicized at least at that it, point right cuz so one of the things to tie it back to that video one of the things that i was saying originally well, before i got on the karen thing is you mentioned that lady that got ousted yeah for having a don't call me karen yeah well you know that Whoever it was supposedly that was responsible for that Bud Light thing was fired like immediately. Like she doesn't yeah. work there at the Bud Light anymore. This is interesting. I don't know mm. what that says exactly, but one thing that I'm because I was mentioning that guy saying, hey, here's where it comes from communism, maybe. But what I want to know is what does it mean to say that a company is doing that? Is there like, so, at, okay, so maybe they have some higher-ups that attend the World Economic Forum. Do they, like, sign a, a pact? Or a, is this official in any way? How does that permeate? And this is when we first started the podcast, remember, I was like, I'm going to go talk to my dad because he's in the human resources world for, for many, many, many years at a pretty decently high level, actually quite a high level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at a pretty de- and well-sized uh, institutions and I started asking him questions like where does this all this uh, stuff that we're talking about like where does all this uh, you know weird woke shit and companies come from and uh, what what was so interesting about it and why it never made it into like an official let's talk about this kind of interview was that it took me like 10 minutes to even get to that to like for him to understand what I was saying mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. was like what do you mean I'm like well, yeah, it people was, can't put their finger like, on it. It was like when the Bud Light thing was happening. It yeah. wasn't there during that. It was during another, but it was another event like that where everyone's talking about it. So I'm like, what do you mean you don't know, Dad? Like everyone's talking about all this stuff. And it was back with the Netflix thing and Dave Chappelle. And I'm like, you know that, whatever that is. He's like, well, he's like, do you mean like race equity and representation within the workforce? And I was like, Sure that kind of i'm like you're making it very neutral sounding but like the world is on fire i'm not sure if you've seen and he's like well we've been thinking about this for like 45 years Mm -hmm. i was like what Mm -hmm. he's like well we've always thought about this and he did admit there's like some kind of there's like a new level but see he's not signed up for that whatever that is yeah but I, i did notice a lot of the stuff that they get comes from like these conferences and stuff. You yeah, know? that's what I was going to say. It comes from conferences and also from these organizations who their whole job is like consulting and trying to like get people onto boards and the boards are advising the CEOs and then the investment companies who are like attending these things and 
you know, like the BlackRock being like, well, you have to have these ESG policies to receive investment from us, you know, and so a is lot that, of it So is that's like, where, that's the official aspect. So that's where it comes from. Like, so investment, is that what this guy's saying, I guess, is part of what he's I'm saying. Yeah, he's the like, kind of BlackRock, like direct investment, which comes from like World Economic Forum people influencing and having partnerships with BlackRock and being like, okay, this is what, you know, we need. And who knows why BlackRock is doing some things like that. What is, I mean, so tell me this, what does it mean if I say... Here's this well-known established company we all know, whatever. I don't know any specifics, so we'll just say some company like a Target or an Anheuser-Busch or whatever to say that, oh, well, Black BlackRock has invested in that. What does that mean when some – when an is that so BlackRock's what, an investment firm? They own a lot of their stock. So that means they own a lot of stock. And they own a lot the of voting control because they own a lot of stock. So they have voting shares. Like when you own a stock, you usually, not all stocks are like this, but because there's different types of stock, but mostly you have voting shares, which means when they make decisions at the company-wide executive level that have to be approved, they go through a vote. And if you own stock, you may get like notifications on Robinhood that say like, hey, there's an annual stockholder meeting. Like, are you going to vote or whatever? Like, here it is. And usually it doesn't matter because you're one person, you own like maybe a handful of shares or one share. And so your vote doesn't really matter. But whose vote does matter is the investment companies who own like a large stake in the company. Because the power of the vote is related to how much equity you have in the company or whatever. Yes, or I mean, exactly. how much, how many stocks you own in the company right. or whatever. Yeah, so you get to make thing decisions like who gets to be appointed to the CEO, you know, position, who gets to, you know, what kind of decisions is the company making at a high level, blah blah blah, um, things like. And that. so the threat of not going along with BlackRock is that BlackRock might say, "Look, if we're going to invest, then you have to do all these things." And then what that actually ends up translating into is, um, we're gonna fuck you up. Well, the threat if might be don't. we just dump all of our stock and your stock right. price which goes is, down which and all your CEOs up. lose a lot of money, your company right. loses a lot of money. Yeah, so there's that. But there's also like they don't even have to threaten you. Like they just have control over decisions because they own voting shares. So if they own enough right. voting shares, they can just control the decisions that are made at some level. You know, not all decisions, but some very specific decisions. But it's also a single point of failure. So even if 50% they own half a company and then sure, individuals yeah. own the other half, the individuals come against them and say – Screw you. Right. You could. You know, we're against this, but if it's all, so hard so to coordinate. Yeah. Because, and 100% of them would have to coordinate. No, we right. really will sell. And then, but BlackRock could just say, well, we're just one entity. And if we sell, it's the same as all of them selling, first of all. And second of all, if they sell, we'll buy it. Yeah, exactly. They could also buy all the other people's shares anyway. They could be like, we're going to offer you better than, you know, average prices on all of these and whatnot. And that's called like a buyout or whatever. So so I've heard because I've heard discussions between like so Sam Tripoli and Brian Callen have this like thing, this conspiracy show, and they actually called a banker to talk about this. And I'll send you the podcast. So you can listen to it because I'm so surprised that the banker. It's almost like I feel like we just just talked about it. And it's so simple and obvious. Mm-hmm. And this banker guy, it seemed like there was some reason because that's what we, what we said is basically what Tripoli was saying. But it seems like he thought there was some reason why that didn't fly as an argument. Because what we're saying is like, no, this is real. This can happen if the investment firms can have this much power. They can have stipulations, and those stipulations right. can affect what happens. Yes, directly, directly, because they own voting shares and because they have such a large stake in the company. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and maybe there's other, you know, I mean, obviously it's probably more nuanced and technical than that. And you can't control everything that the CEO or the company does. But on some level, when you get into a boardroom with the CEOs, no one is like, how can we piss off the largest investors in this company? You know, everybody is always like, well, we might not should do that because that would piss off X person or X company who owns 30% of our company, Bob. That's the kind of conversations that are really happening. So, you know, right. I don't know. Yeah, And I think, too, a lot of financial people don't really understand because you're so, like, muddled in confusing bullshit all the time. Like, everything is intellectualized and you've abstracted everything away. And, like, you don't see the clear and obvious threads from, like, taking a step back and being like, what do you mean? Like, it's all confusing. It's like literally this person votes on the decision, you know, like and owns the company. It's not that confusing. Yeah. OK, like so I think there's definitely that going on because people will try to like mansplain this stuff to you and you'll be like, shut the fuck up, you know, because I, I can understand things. I may not have a finance degree from Wharton, but I can understand how companies work. So another aspect of what he was saying that I thought was interesting and worth consideration was that I guess that's how you can make it easy, more easy to pull in something like so philosophical as like, oh, it's communism. Because of that kind of bird's eye view he was taking of it was like, look, if you if this does happen and then you, the populace, whatever, boycott or whatever it is, reject the, the trans things at uh, Bud Light and at Target and wherever else. Right. That who feels the burn is actually your fellow Americans, right? Or whatever, right? Your, the people who get laid peers. off from the company, the middle class, yeah, right. The lower class too, yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's interesting. It's like I don't know that I'd call it communism though. Like I guess no, I I yeah. was just saying that I feel like because that was such a, I feel like that point needs to be argued for, but. It is parsimonious with the theory when you're taking that far of a yes. step back from it and going, well, look what's happening politically right. or, right. you know, uh, yes, like I could take that argument like as a on principle, like this is no different from communism. Like there's a few small people like yeah. elite, like people saying this has to be how the whole society is in the ideology and we're controlling it all from the top down. It's very administrative led. And so that is very antithetical to like a free market democracy where like companies would be making their own decisions on what is important and individuals would be in power. But instead, individuals have no power. They could be removed from companies at a back call. You know, these corporations don't even have power over what they're you know, doing as a company because these investment corporations, like we just said, have control over what they're doing. So I can understand how a principle that's like communism. However, it gets a little muddy because I don't know that those people think that they're communists and that they – are like nested in a country, which is maybe even worse than like communism at the country level. Like this is like kind of communism at like the global level. So it's a little scarier, honestly, to me in some sense. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah, too, the, when it, you conjure up communism, you get all sorts of like weird political ideas and whatnot. And I don't know that that's what this is. But what do you think about the argument that he's making that like, yeah, so, okay, I'm protesting and I'm hurting the people you say I'm hurting by doing that. So what's the alternative? Like, what is, mm. what, if so, because it's almost like he's saying, like, you're doing that, it's hurting others and it's not going to change anything. But 
where, why won't it change anything? And it's like, it literally, which makes sense how people come to this conclusion now why they rattle on about it all the time. Now, BlackRock and Vanguard and all these things. It's like, because it seems like it's coming from there and you do really, you really, do we buy the argument that what he said is essentially true? At least you could observe it, look at it and go, yeah, on that's, there's one, that's a fair enough analysis could be argued for or against on some level, but it, there's some truth it's in fairly that. Yeah. So in that case, let's say it really is those types of firms, those investment firms that have got that because otherwise why do these things that like is the minute after you do it, you have to fire everyone involved in it because there's some going to be some kind of reaction to it <laughs> God, as a company. Yeah. You just as well, you would might as well think let's just not do things like that. Like right. let's not do that. Like just don't do that because if you just don't do it, then you don't have to think about either side of that. But apparently like, so there seems to be some imperative to do it. Someone saying you got to do it. And yeah, it's been and traced back to these investment firms. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think, some of the ideology does come from the investment firms. So on some level it does where they're like, you have to do these ESG things. Like maybe you have to be net zero in order to get investment, or maybe you have to have so many minorities on your board. They can make decisions like that and they can enforce those decisions because of the voting control. Like they won't approve people to sit on the board unless they are a minority. So that's how like the voting control definitely does affect those things. However, they don't Why have have that agenda though? Like why have the ideological agenda that they have yeah so so that's one question we can come back to that but the other thing i was going to say is like they don't have control over whether or not budweiser runs a trans campaign like that's like the marketing department and you know they can't control what the marketing department does so that comes from somewhere else and maybe it's a ceo who wants to move up the ranks and wants to signal that they're like you know on board with the movement or maybe it's, you know, people who feel like just individuals in the company who feel basically they are Karens. You know, they feel morally guilty and they want to lift up the trans people and, you know, to assuage their moral guilt. And, you know, who knows? Like it could be all sorts of reasons why people might want to run that individually. And I think that's kind of the point Jordan Peterson has made. It's like it's not enough that just the elites want this. Like it's also being perpetuated by individuals who it appeals to something like that kind of ideology where you're like D E and I E S G. It appeals to your wanting to do something good. Like you need to pay for your privilege, like all the good things that come from to you, like maybe that you haven't earned them. And like on some level, that's true for everybody. Like, you know, you deserve worse than what you have. And instead of dealing with the responsibility of actually making amends for that and doing the best with what you have, you're riding a bike and calling it saving the planet or recycling and calling that saving the planet or you're hiring a trans person or putting a trans person on a Budweiser campaign and calling that moral virtue. No, that's not moral virtue. That's not helping anyone, okay? Like, And it's not even helping that trans person, honestly, because they're going to face a bunch of backlash from this that probably is harmful to them. Um, so, but, so you can see how these ideas get weaponized by individuals who have – personal incentive to adopt them to feel better about themselves or whatnot. Now, that's one thing. The the other question you're asking, which is like, why does it come from the top of these investment corporations? Like, why are they interested in ESG? Why are they interested in DE&I? I don't know. I don't know who's in charge. I don't know who says we have to support these things. And I don't know how close a relationship they have with things like the World Economic Forum and whatnot. And I think on some level, it could be the exact thing I just said, which is like, 
it's also people at the top who are using this to like justify their moral shortcomings and think that this is a path forward to moral righteousness or something um, on a personal level. But I'm sure there's also some coordinated activity that happens at the top. I just don't, I don't know what it is. And I don't know that anyone knows. Someone yeah. probably knows, but. It just makes me so suspicious, I guess. There's something just so strange about it. You know, like it just, it really, and I think it's why it stayed in the public discourse for so long now, because it's, you know, weird things. People like to think about weird things. Like, could there be aliens? You know, like, (laughs) oh yeah, just weird. Like it's, it's so weird like that, that people find it interesting to have conversations about it all the time. It's like in every show of every podcast and every newscast and every tv show every new thing i mean just constantly 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 different iterations of that conversation just keep happening yeah and i just cannot well it really is like the tower of so weird like i feel like it is maximal hubris like we're really trying to reach up to heaven like we are like now we're at the point where we're like we can rearrange the fundamentals of reality we can reshape the environment, the entire global environment. That's under man's control now. And the same thing with gender. It's like we can reshape gender and sex differences, which are the most fundamental basic reality that exists. It's like that's literally the progenitor of all things is man and woman coming together, having a baby. And now you're like, we can reshape even that. You know, and it's like, I just think there's something very deep psychologically about that that's like we are really like how much hubris do we have to think we we little peons are in control of all of that we can just reshape it to our own whims and desires yeah i i don't know it's such a it's so it feels like there's a like a true and real like wall somewhere between like wherever i'm at and everyone who's talking about it all the time and on the other side of the mm. wall of that topic, what's well, over there? And right. it's it could be so, like a wall because like you're saying, like there's something psychological about it and it's like almost has like the nature of something being subconscious. Like it's weird because you can know there is a subconscious kind of, but the argument against there being one is that you couldn't know that because the definition is that it's undetected yeah it's all inductive reasoning you can't experience it directly you have to induce its existence but i mean i would say that that's not different from other things but yeah to your point it is very confusing because i think to some people you like look at the dialectic and you're like oh it's just these fringe issues we're stuck on these fringe issues and i'm like these are not fringe issues these are fundamental issues and that's why we're stuck on them because if you like you can't get more fundamental like name a more fundamental all-consuming issue than sex and the environment yeah like these are the most fundamental issues the place you live and the thing you are in the place like it's literally like very fundamental where we are and who we are it's like it doesn't get more fundamental than that. It's not like, oh, should we have roads or highways or, you know, no, it's not any of that. How much should taxes be? No, it's not No, nowhere near that. We're at the level of like, can men be women and can we control the global environment? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's something. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I just thought that the that guy's take on it was super interesting. The take on it yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Cuz it draws that that question out, you know, like where what's the conclusion there? Cuz if it is these big firms and it's like how exactly do you compete with that? Yeah. No, I, I mean I think I we're know. heading toward, you know, to invoke the wisdom of the Tower of Babel story. We're heading toward our own destruction and I think so our too. tribes will yeah. be scattered again, you know, like Yeah. Because I just think, yeah, it's untenable. Technology has so is going to have so much to do with the destruction of our world. And because if you think about what technology has brought us, the ability to interact with all the ideas all the time, all at once, just including the ideas like this DEI stuff and its relationship to corporations and what that means and how we're experiencing it. If you take away like all of the abilities that that technology has given us and you take away our ability to interact with it on such a continuous basis, how would I how would I get the marketing or the advertising right. from from a corporation at that point? And then you ask yourself, would these companies like BlackRock, Vanguard, whoever's in instituting these DEI programs in the way that this guy's describing, basically saying, like, get on board or lose your funding, get on board or your stock price drives, uh, drops, Right. then if you take away our, the public, the consumer who's interacting with those, take away all of that technological uh, interaction with them, would they still do these kind of things? It would, it would almost like, well, no, because then what would that, what would it do? Because there wouldn't yeah. be a ton of conversation about it. And it, that insight makes me think that having it become a huge part of the cultural conversation is part of the point. So when Target goes trans, everyone on TikTok is showing me how trans it is. There's both sides of that argument. There's there's going to be a boycott. Oh, their stock is dropping today. And then 20, 20 minutes later, another article. Oh, their stock, stock may have stalled out. And another article. No, it's still dropping. Then you have CNN talking about the drop or the client. Actually, they're making more money according to – if you look at these statistics and then on Fox, you're saying actually they're losing money because the American people don't like this. If you look at these statistics, it doesn't work. And so all this noise, noise, yeah. noise, noise about it, that must be the point. Because yeah. if you don't have, if you take all that extra Create stuff away, yeah. then what is there? Then there's just a store and you as the customer and you have to go in the store to see what's yes. there. Yes. And you'll just buy what you see if you want the thing that you see there. And, yes. you, okay. and then now you can ask an organic, a question about organic behavior. If you have none of that communication, none of that, all that noise going on, and I'm a guy from Georgia and I have, I drink way too much beer and my gut is big and I'm overweight and I've got a big old beard and I love Ford trucks and I like, I'm a mechanic or a welder and I go in and I'm getting groceries or I think I'm going to get some new work socks and I pass by the makeup section and there's 10 larger than life size posters of obvious men, most of either overweight or underweight wearing modeling women's clothing and dresses and skirts and wearing makeup and advertisements on all the makeup, the effect without all that noise, I don't know what it will be, but it'd be far more organic than all of the nonsense quote unquote talking points that get injected into like your very being that causes a type of reaction in you that also draws in a major component, which is 
team. You know, like how much is that going to affect me? So I might just be like, what the fuck? Right. Like, this is weird and disgusting. There's like, like I don't the know what internalization of like the political game too. You're like, it's all like about the team and my team winning the political game. And you almost like internalize that, like the reaction, like you don't react as an individual you react as like, how would my team react to this? Yeah. And what's good for my team? Yeah. It's interesting because too, I think the impulse is like, it may not be as coordinated as you think, but it could also be just like a underlying psychological impulse, kind of like peacocking or whatever. Like if you have something that you're concerned about, you don't want people to notice about you, you may do a little peacocking. You may, hey, you know, and you may not even intend it, but, you know, draw people's attention over here to something else because you don't want them to really see this part of you. And so I could see how these companies might be doing some shady things or, you know, we're just an average product or we're not doing anything. And, uh, oh, but look how, you know, amazing and awesome we are because we're doing all this other cool stuff over here. And so there is like, yeah, just some underlying impulse there too. Yeah. It's funny you keep bringing me to the point where I'm like, well, there's dead in there. Because I, the takeaway that I take from that kind of thought process that I went through is that's like if I can just observe the fact so easily, it has to have been somebody high up enough in some kind of department, whether it's finance or marketing or whatever, at that level has to have their hands on that mm-hmm. fact mm-hmm. and be using it however it can be used. And which means it's it's being all that manipulation, whatever it is, is being done on purpose. And I don't know what the outcome of it is, but it's it's once you realize that it's not actually Target or Bud Light or Budweiser because the person gets taken out. So why would they do something that gets... And I mean, they could be in on it somehow. Like, okay, I knew I was going to just get a big payout from this. I don't know. But assuming that that that, that level of coordination would just be too tedious mm-hmm. for, for generally. I mean, maybe right. once or twice, yeah. but like generally it would be difficult. And you say, okay, well, it's not Target. Like there's no like big board meetings at Target where they're literally saying like, let's see if we can like cause kind of like a political strife you know political revolution just because you're really that's you're it's not like that you're going by like department like how are we selling in the grocery department what are the numbers you know that's what they're talking about they have to otherwise the company won't run right exactly so and they're asking the questions how are we going to sell more and someone's like trans campaign you know (laughs) so it has to be these other institutions these bigger institutions and they know all of this stuff as well better than target because targets involved in numbers and selling product and stuff these companies that own bits and pieces of every major major corporation under god's uh you know yellow sun are the, the the saying they have more money than god it doesn't matter to them it doesn't apparently matter right. as much as I, some kind of ideology matters. And that's a weird thing. Right, exactly. Especially when you realize that it's coming from fucking places called, literally called, the World Economic <laughs> Forum. Right. That's, yeah. That is a political organization. No, they don't it's, have a vested interest and they it doesn't matter so much that they can literally refuse investments on the basis of things that make things worse investments. Meaning like ESG makes you a less profitable company and they are like, we don't want yes, companies do that it. don't have ESG. 
So you have to ask the question, what is going on? Why are they embarking on these ideological battlefields? It is so insidious. It's evil. To quote, again, well, we didn't post that one. John Lennon, it's maniacal people doing maniacal things for maniacal ends. They're right. literally like maniacs. Exactly. No, they have to be interpreted politically at this point because it's not just about money. Because if it were just about money, you wouldn't want companies to get away from oil. You wouldn't want companies to. And right. there are some people who argue, well, it's like, well, they're doing it because in the long term, like it's actually more profitable. Bullshit. These people always act on the margins, okay? They would not divest all oil companies if you know they knew they were going to make some oil company money today you know so there's something political going on here where it's like it's about their world yeah. their world makers yeah. and so here's so when you think about like that oil example and they probably know that these are the kind of people who have such influence that like the president calls them when they're going to do a, a fake pandemic and they're like all right we need to get you on board for yes. how we're going to run this you know operation think of the power in this we already have a world full of Things that run on power sources. We have ways of doing electricity, ways of powering our cars, et cetera, et cetera. And it's fine. It's working fine. And global warming is fake. Look into it. What if this is what I think all the green stuff is about and why the DEI and ESG and all that shit has to come down the pike? Because you have to break it. You have to break this stuff. Make it not work. Scare everybody. Tell them that their car is going to kill everybody and all their children and grandchildren. Tell oh them that. God, yeah. Because the opportunity, if we do that, it's so perfect where we everything's so great, how we do it. I mean, there's things here and there. We well, they'll be ready out. to hand us control in the name of safety. If we well, make them so afraid that everything is so unsafe. They're going to create a whole new revolution that does the same thing. How much money would there be to be made off of taking the entire infrastructure of the entire country or world off of a, a particular standard of energy production and building a whole new infrastructure yeah, well, based on there's... an entirely new mm -hmm. fuel source. So we have nuclear, which by the way, there's a huge nuclear plant that's almost done in Georgia. I didn't even know. It's the most expensive one in the country. Mm. And... So we have nuclear coming, solar. we have all this green stuff, solar, battery-powered cars, battery-powered everything. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how fucked up it is, like we said. It doesn't even make sense economically. You have to have like slaves and machine guns in the corporate locations of extraction and all this different stuff. They don't care. It's not about how expensive or non-sustainable or any of that. That doesn't matter. What matters is we're building a new, an entirely new artificial revolution that has the kind of wealth that was brought onto people such as the Vanderbilt mm, and the Rockefellers yeah. and the Rothschilds and all of these institutions that were going to were that end up becoming the standard economic those are economic things are products and services for the entire industrialized world and yeah. now we're going to do it on a whole another a whole new version of that let's we're doing a software update there is going to be so much money to be made if they can pull it off. And right. that's why you have to destroy all this other stuff because like the guy was saying, whether it's American sentiment, that's good because fuck Americana, a bunch of racist KKK members. That's all that's here. Just a bunch of cowboys wanting to shoot 
Right. You know, Indians, Nothing Mexicans, worth defending and black in America. Yeah. No, it's all racist and dirty oh and God. polluting and yeah. capitalistic and Sad. horrible, which is why I like those rich guys in a way. I'm like, because in a way, in their mind, because their target level, they don't work for BlackRock. They have to work with BlackRock, but they're, they are right in some of their analysis of saying, oh, it's the greatest system. There's so much money to be made. It's so wonderful. Yeah, it's becoming hyper-focused and siloed and exclusionary to anything other than your little technology industry, but they still believe that what they're doing is Americana. And it could be like, that's that, that's their that's realm. One version of technology. Americana. Sure. Yeah. I could totally give and, them that. Well, it was striking me as you were saying that it's almost like back to the infinite economic growth thing. It's almost like, cause you can't do away with man's need for growth, but all of our growth is material and we have completely stagnated, if not regressed spiritually. And it's like, we don't understand what even spiritual growth would look like, I feel like, today. And all we can conceive of is material growth. Like, we just need to keep growing the economy, keep, you know, uh, revolutionizing the energy. And there's so much money to be made if we just reorganize and reshape all of the cities and societies and whatnot. And uh, But look how great yeah. it is. Like, we started with the how people, young people are buying extremely overpriced houses and actually able to do it. Yeah. And look at the things we so like what are we spending our money on now just now right as they're about to rip it out from under us we're at the point where people are like maybe I won't give every every time big pharma comes out with a new fucking idea I'm not just going to blindly give them all of my money. Maybe I am going to buy organic. You know, fuck all these factory farms and stuff. Maybe I do want pasture raised this and that right at the point of yeah. maybe this is Hell what yeah. spiritual awakening <laughs> begins as how it starts it starts with like purifying getting yeah. all of the fucking shit and junk and bullshit that fades away out of the yes. temple so that you can enter into it Your and life. have like some yes. new experience and right yes what is it you right, are what you right consume. as this is now yeah. a possibility we got anybody can i'm i live in a trailer it's good enough i could afford to renovate a little bit we've got window ac units they keep it cool it's anyone can afford a window ac unit you know and now we've got you know we have a, a little bit of a homelessness problem you know what we're all in a place where we can spend money on frivolous ridiculous things that are aesthetic you know or whatever and that's just how wealthy we are. Right. right. And, but now there has to be all of this, this tear down is happening all right before our eyes. We got to tear this all down, redo everything. It's all bad. Ah, scratch this, scratch this, scratch this. The, who knew it was going to be so bad? Oh, God. We're just going to catch on fire any day now. New pandemics everywhere and just probably climate change. Oh, my God. Just get rid of this. Gas is bad. Everything you do in your business is actually just bad for this. If you're not on board with one of these ways of doing things and fuck you. And we're going to do everything we can to boost the other and, and keep you down and founders get out. Doesn't matter. You're too connected, right. too sentimental. Right. And there's a seed of truth in that because, you know, I mean, it is bad on some level, but it's not bad because it's not solar. It's bad because it's too much. We've traded spiritual maturity for materialistic, uh, interests you know and it's like we don't even know like where are our role models in society we don't even know what a mature sound person looks like these days like 
All old people seem fucking insane to me. Joe Biden is insane. That person is, Trump is insane. What are we talking, these are not people you look up to and you go, I want to be like that person one day. No, they're fucking nuts. They're psychopaths. And even even like, even the people who you want to think are doing something differently, like the Elon Musks of the world or whatever, it's still weird. Like whatever, they're shooting rockets off and trying to do satellites and stuff. They're weird. (laughs) Like chill, chill, chill. Like everybody chill out chill out stop blasting trash into space and telling us that you're doing a good thing for humanity also i'm sorry to shit on elon but i think he gets a lot of like good positive you know pr but i'm like the dude literally says things like we have a small light of consciousness and you know in humanity and we need to make sure it doesn't go out as the if the you know planet t- turns or Earth becomes un- inhospitable for humans, and I'm like, what fucking hubris? Like you think that humans are the single light of consciousness in the entire universe? I'm sorry, but we're not. Okay, we're not that important. We're not that important. And what we need to realize is how important our relationship to everything else is. And I'm pretty sure that uh, blasting trash into the environment is defiling our relationship yeah. to the natural. Well, world, even if okay? he's right. So, I think it's just a lie is the problem. Like, I think in a sense, it's true. Like, as far as we're concerned, we are all there is as as far as what matters. Like, we're humans and this is Earth and like, that's, <laughs> sure, that's maybe, what yeah, we're on some the level, most significant yes. thing that could ever be because we are ourselves. But it doesn't mean ungodly prophets. You know what I mean? Like, where that leads to, like... So obviously <laughs> yeah. we have to say it with me, build rockets and go to Mars. It's like, no one was expecting that. What are you talking about? I thought <laughs> consciousness, we need to be good. Go to Mars. Like what? So yeah. Whatever yeah, all that exactly. is. Exactly. It's totally wacko. And Yeah. We need to slow down. But it's the beginning of maybe a spiritual awakening, and that gives me hope because we seem spiritually poor to me, um, spiritually bankrupt, honestly. Um, Yeah.